it's the babies, dude. The crying babies, which which is going to become a theme in this podcast. <laughs> um, Are you calling me a crybaby? No, I, I'm saying that a certain video game that's on our show notes uses the sound of a baby crying in a certain spectral zone that you enter, really subtly layered into the mix, and it's making me crazy. Sounds like a Bloodborne ripoff, if you ask me. You know what I mean? What is no, this, Murgo's not. Wet Nurse or something? What the fuck? <laughs> Must no, be no, a no. bad game. <laughs> <laughs> Orin, I do like that you're wearing a tablecloth today. Um, I'm all about it. I'm all about it. Orin, I'm all about uh, it. No. Have a picnic on me. I'll, uh, you know, I'll go like on, I'll go prone or whatever, and you can just have a picnic. Do it. Uh, what is the best prone setup for you, Orin? Like, you play on a controller, but like, how do you like to prone in a game? How do I like to prone in a game? Yeah, what's the the button inputs? I don't even know. I don't even know what you're asking me. Just press. I'll tell you. So just press O, I guess. Press O twice. Uh, so you do O to crouch on a PlayStation okay. controller, and then O a second time to prone. I was thinking, I was thinking B twice. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Double B. I, I'm a fan of Control or Z. I guess Z B. is a common. That's Z's the one, right? C. Or PC. Uh, B. C. C to crouch. What letter right? is it? Control. D? Control is crouch. Talking on the keyboard here, right? Just for, for folks, we're not because we're, we're almost talking PS5 oh, yeah. controller. Well, <laughs> so, yeah, I was, I was curious. Keyboard. In, in, it's in Cyberpunk, it's it's C. So. I rebind it on every game that's not Control. Hmm. <laughs> yes, like he's pretty, not okay. It's pretty weird on controller for Cyberpunk because you have to actually actually click the uh, right analog oh, stick yeah. to crouch, which to me is pretty weird. But I it's got used to, do it, to it. You think so? Because hmm. you get the dash. And the dash is on B, which it oh, should yeah. be on B. Right. Yeah. So. I like the, the crouch with the analog stick, actually. I think because that's what like Call of Duty does, yeah. right? Oh, is that what Duty is that used right? to be okay. B. Gotcha. So yeah, from the and left analog stick and Halo, COD with B, and then COD with left. They, they changed it. What if they made it left trigger to crouch? That'd be funny, That'd be huh? stupid. Maybe they should uh, just get rid of sprinting in games and just do left trigger or left uh, um, joystick to crouch. Every every game should be slow walking. No, no I, more, I agree. No more running. I think they've iterated <laughs> on these control schemes for like a decade now, and they finally got it like dialed in. <laughs> My huh. opinion. Yeah, is it time to introduce controllers with tr- with the uh, the back triggers so that people can really yes. get used to that? I I think totally they should make, the paddles. make that normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I've got that on this here uh, 8-bit do controller, but it's in a, such a weird place that I uh, I don't use it. it. It's very easy to hit just by a standard grip. It's just like, oh, if I just kind of brace myself, which I do a lot. Do you guys, do you guys tense up and brace yourself when you're playing a game with a controller? Oh, yeah. Or is that just me? No. I, uh, I when I play like a FromSoft game, I think, yeah. Like a FromSoft Wait. game. That's why Mike says yes. That's why I, I have to have the 50-pound Xbox Elite controller. <laughs> like there's got to be some weight behind it because I just, I just crush it. You are pretty strong. That's true. You could just accidentally Hulk a PS5 controller without even knowing it. Yeah. Just like a little too much bracing. So wait, Kevin, did you say no? Not at all. I don't let us. Oh really? Yeah, I'm my Zen. What a pro. Oh dude, that's Kevin is very good at games. Uh, and then maybe that's it because he's got this like cool state and he's just not reacting physically. Not at all. Yeah. No physiological. Oh dude, that's. 
that's actually crazy to me. Like I, I really, my whole body tenses I up. Didn't when even I know that. Sometimes. The only time that ever happened to me when I was playing uh, that game where you drive the the Rocket League, where you have to drive against the the car yeah. against the ball, trying to get the ball, I get all tensed up. And I actually saw I didn't like that game, so my body would tense, and I was getting like tight shoulders. <laughs> so I still, mm. I still like jump and move with my body. Like, like ever since I was a kid, I was playing Super Mario Brothers. Like I would jump, I would physically leap up. I, I, mm. I pretty much still do that now. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't even, oh. I didn't even know that anyone did that. That's funny. <laughs> I was like, I've never even thought about this before. Really? Yeah. I think I even turn when I'm playing racing games. Like I'll kind of like uh -huh. edge my body a little bit. Like I'm about to bank in a car. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll actually look around a corner like physically. Is this what separates old millennials from young millennials? <laughs> Wait, Oren, do you do you do this? You do. Um, I, I think I only really do it when I'm playing a really hard video game, like uh, yeah. like Elden. I remember when I was playing Elden Ring, I was doing that a lot. Um, but I think otherwise, not really. I think. Hmm. Wow. I don't really think about my body language that much when I play a game. I'm just like. <laughs> so for all I know, I'm like. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe we could get some objective measurements of this just to see how much put some sensors all over our body. <laughs> what muscles are tensing up when, when we're playing which games? What we need to do is we need to hire a consultant with our meager jump crouch uh, budget and they'll fly and they'll just monitor each of us for one day and just take notes while we play a really hard or really scary video game. Bring it on. Uh, I'd be into that. <laughs> I, I feel like things are looking up. I swear I saw an email from Daddy Phil to one of us. I don't, I don't know if that's if that's verboten or not, but uh, <laughs> I think that's fine. I think that's uh, uh, more or less public knowledge at this point. So, yeah, for the listeners, uh, that person is me. I worked at I, I work at Blizzard, and we got a great email from uh, Phil Spencer the other day saying, "Welcome to the Xbox family." This has been probably two years in the making. Yeah. And there was I think a collective sigh of relief, you know, that it's it's happened. Um, it's over. There is a lot of speculation about future technology, what may happen, what may not happen. And I don't think we really have enough information to to guess. Um I just think it's time for a change at the sea level. And that's probably what everyone is really looking forward to. Yeah. So Microsoft has fully acquired Activision Blizzard. And the most important question I have for you, I, I know that you're flush with Blizzard bucks. You walk around like a, a Blizzard, a Blizzard daddy, <laughs> pimp daddy with Blizzard bucks in your Blizzard suit. But do you get Game Pass now? Or is that just like a perk? Uh, yeah. Is it Game Pass yeah, a perk? That would be quite a perk. So... Someone had said we get something like 15% off, 15% off on right. an Xbox. Okay. Okay. And something like 50% off of software licensing. Oh. oh. So Microsoft, like mm. OS? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Oh, dude. I, yeah. I just have to say, having worked with you and knowing Mike, he's like a total Unix guy. Like, I'm yeah. the Windows guy. So Microsoft, or him working for Microsoft is just really funny to me it's like i was it never made it make me laugh and i think that you work for microsoft now i was one of those dweebs that would spell microsoft with a dollar sign you know 
<laughs> like like i'm all open source unix linux like that's that's been my entire career and so now i i kind of constantly joke that i'm gonna have to switch over to learning.net uh we're gonna move everything to azure and you're gonna be a powershell admin man you'd be like yeah, me yeah yeah uh instead of bash like we're just yeah. gonna have powershell on all of our uh virtual machines so it's gonna be great uh, I changed my uh, workplace avatar to Clippy, and then <laughs> really? my yeah, and then my Zoom background is the uh, Microsoft Bob. Uh, mm. Oh, I was gonna say you should do his Bliss as your background. Can I do that here? It's this, this there's no Microsoft Bob here. You have to upload. But, uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what am I even looking at? Stuff that plays well on a podcast, changing your background. Uh, well, uh, that, that sounds, uh, it sounds, sounds like good for you. And it's, it's, I'm, I'm, I guess glad this has happened. Um, this, I'm glad it's over. This drama was like never ending, right? I mean, you go, you're saying like two years of yeah collective heartburn at Blizzard, right? Yeah. And I think, well, I think it's safe to say now, um, but no one likes Bobby K. Yeah. He's literally the devil. Um, so that's what everyone's really excited about is just not seeing him anymore. Now, uh, other game studios like Bethesda, for instance, they reportedly have had a fairly light touch as in Microsoft mm -hmm. isn't too prescriptive. And I think that's yeah. more or less going to be the case if you're, if you're selling well, right? I think yeah. the... Um, the case of let's say Redfall where maybe there wasn't enough hands-on with that studio um, kind of, kind of changed that perspective a little bit, but I think by and large Activision will remain more or less the same. Blizzard will remain more or less the same and King will also remain more or less the same. You have to remember King is part of us is part of right. uh, King. the acquisition. Candy I, yeah. Candy crush. Uh, well, interesting. I, I want that Call of Duty fresh on Game Pass. I want uh, WoW on Game Pass. Get Oren, roll a new tune. It'll be fun. <laughs> There's a lot of possibilities. So, uh, Mike and I have talked about this. Can we get Raven out of Call of Duty hell and have them make a new Hexen game? Like, <laughs> Bill had a Hexen yeah, it's up, it's up for a vote. So I know. it seems like it could oh, happen. Yeah, like to me, that was that was very clear signaling. Like, yeah, I'm a fan of this. You're gonna bring it back once I yeah. once I purchase you. But we'll see. I mean, will Raven do it? I want Hex in uh, 2016. That's what I want. Hex in 2016. Yeah. yeah. Well, we we had that. It was called Graven. Great. Uh, well, also it's called a medieval, which is fucking awesome. But uh, but yeah. I think Graven's less awesome, but maybe maybe it's awesome now. I don't know. But uh, I hope we see some Hexen. Me too. I want some Heretic. Uh, I want yeah. some Hexen. They, these were things that I was like a huge fan of way back in the day. So mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, to me, it just prints money. But you also have to remember that those people aren't there anymore. Like Raven is com oh, yeah. composed of an entirely different staff, different people, uh, different vision. So I don't know. We'll see. That was Hitsoft, and they mm. managed to make, you know, 2016. But they reoriented to make that type of game. Like, Raven's been making COD games for 
what 20 years i don't know how long 10 years yeah yeah quite a while they, they are institutionally strong at making i mean shooters. i want a new jedi academy or outcast from them if i could have oh, anything yeah. that would be the <laughs> star wars game that's possible there. i mean star wars is, is up for oh, man. licensing don't give me um let's not even talk about that i get too excited okay let's not talk about that <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys think uh, that uh, is Call of Duty going to turn around fast enough for Game Pass this year, or is it going to be like the next one? Didn't Sony and they have like a deal where they wouldn't put it on Game Pass for a year? Oh, really? Yeah, I know that was like uh, uh, I can't think of his name. The uh, Sony guys like dying wish, not Jim Ryan. Retiring wish was to stop. Jim Ryan was to stop COD from Game Pass. Yeah. He's just like yeah. on his deathbed, like, <laughs> please no, keep Call of Duty off Game Pass. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> hmm. I don't know. I'd like to see how that goes. I'm, I'm very curious what comes to Game Pass and when uh, I could see myself playing some Diablo 2. Is that game not good now? Or is that, is that which one did they fuck up? Warcraft Diablo 3. Diablo 2 is good, right? Warcraft 3 Warcraft is the bad 3. one. Oh, no. I would, I, what about Warcraft 2? Oh, my God, dude. I want to play Warcraft 2. They haven't ever repackaged it, unfortunately. I would love if Stop they did. That. I would play it, man. I would I wanna... play that. They did do. They would Dude, just Starcraft. I would play the hell out of that game. Starcraft. Yeah. I should play Starcraft. Starcraft's I guess. great. Um, but uh, you know, I, I want to hear the peasants, uh, the peons, tell me that I, you know I, I'm not ready. Yes, me lord. I can't do that yet. Uh, okay. Well, that's interesting. Uh, PlayStation Slim official. It, it went on a diet. It took Ozambic. It's looking a little svelte. Uh, it's smaller, trunk too. I guess something happened to it. And uh, I think it's more expensive or it doesn't come with a disc drive. I don't really know the details. Does anybody know the details? Does anybody care? All I know is that I just don't understand where Sony got this like design idea from because to me it just looks bad all the time. Even this, I thought the slim version would be like the better looking version. Like, oh, they figured it out, but it still looks really graceless. Like, especially the disc drive version is just like jutting out to the right side. I don't know what's going on there. With it, they, <laughs> With it's the, the same disc- console, they're just smaller. They could have changed the appearance of it, but it's like yeah, it looks like a Nintendo Mini, it's huh? just like a smaller form factor of the. I really don't know any slim version of anything. I mean, there's like thermal dynamics involved. And anytime you make something smaller, I really don't think it's because you shrunk the die that much. I, I just have a hard time realistically thinking that that's going to be a piece of hardware that will hold up. So you want the Xbox bulky? Pretty much. The, The extra box? Yeah. More mass <laughs> means more thermal dissipation. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. They've always have they always had a slim model for every gen? PS1, so 2, far, 3, yeah. 4, yeah, I think they have one for every yeah. generation. So I still have my PS3 slim. I would trade that in a heartbeat for a launch day PS3. Mm. Because uh all that back compat, man. I could plug uh I could plug it into my TV and play PS2 games. That'd be fun. Um all right. Game Awards coming up, or are they? Game Awards canceled. Too many people got on stage. What? Can't remember the guy's name. What's his name? I don't know. I don't care. Jeff Keighley cancels the Game Awards because too many people talked about Bill Clinton. You couldn't remember Jeff Keighley's name? No, I think you're talking about the French guy. I'm in my 40s. I don't want to talk about this guy. (laughs) (laughs) 
No, no, no. Jeff uh, Keighley, I know. I think you're talking about the other guy. I don't, like, I don't even want to like give the troll's name. I don't want to give him any more right. credit. Uh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. What do we got? Okay, guys. What's what's gonna be what's gonna be the the, the short list for the game of the year? Give me your list now, Mike. Go. Uh, Armor Core Six, Resident Evil Four Remaster, uh, okay. The Dredge, um, Cyberpunk DLC. Yeah. Crap, I gotta think of another one. Well, you're missing the two oh. like locks. Uh, I am. The two, I am. The two locks. I am legally obliged to say Diablo Four. <laughs> okay. No way. Okay. It's uh, gonna be uh well but well let's 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 clear the air. Baldur's Gate three and Zelda are definitely being nominated, right? Those yeah. are like the two surefire games. And Resident Evil Four. Resident Evil Four. I I don't I don't think Resident Evil Four. Well, I don't know. I think it's it'll a, win. It depends. I mean, I love it. I don't think it'll win. Yeah, me too. I think it will be nominated. I think Zelda's gonna win. Yeah, that would make sense. Zelda. Well, I don't know. Baldur's Gate still. Is st- still has like hundreds of thousands of people playing it on Steam for one. It does. Still has an active Twitter life, and uh, there are still articles on PC Gamer and Eurogamer and whatever about Baldur's Gate. So it's it's in the so the Zelda is as we've talked about. It's like the OG uh, highly reviewed prestige company. So I think uh, and and I think Zelda is the title that's like the fucking you know. Highly reviewed, yeah, but... highly awarded franchise. So, so you think Zelda? <clears throat> I I actually um I think Zelda is an amazing game. I I played the shit of it, and I actually probably like playing it more than I like playing Baldur's Gate. But I would rather see Baldur's Gate win because I think it's a more original thing for this year. Whereas Zelda is like an, a really, really, really good iteration on Breath of the Wild. I think Baldur's Gate three is like, hey, a CRPG. <laughs> you know. A CRPG yeah. winning at, at, at the Game Awards would be really stunning. Whereas a Zelda one, it's like, yeah, you gave it to Breath of the Wild in 2016. I'm not surprised. Or 2017, right? Yeah. I'd be surprised to see that one. Yeah. I, uh, well, I don't know. Like, last time we were having the same conversation that, like, God of War was going to win for the same yeah. reason. So I feel like, and I think Baldur's Gate 3 actually has more momentum right now, believe it or not. Because yeah. I, think, I think a lot of the Zelda conversations have, I don't want to say died, but they they're they're they've tempered a lot. I think Baldur's Gate three is still on a lot of people's minds. So I actually think Baldur's Gate three might be the winner, but it's like fifty one forty nine. Like could go could go either either way. It almost feels like I can see that because I haven't really read anything about Zelda since it came out. Whereas like I'm still seeing regular memes and news articles about Baldur's Gate three. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but the same thing happened with God of War. <clears throat> Elden Ring came out early in the year. God of War came out intentionally before the Game Awards, so everyone right. was in zeitgeist, <laughs> and uh, they still lost. So, as they should have. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> How did it I'm, not, I'm not kidding. Elden Ring is like Way 17 times the game that yeah. God of War is. Yeah. How, War one, I <laughs> How, did the, How did the entire industry gaslight us into thinking God of War was good? Yeah, it beats me. People like it. I mean, I don't know. I didn't hate it when I was playing it. I only played the demo for four hours, but 
Well, that's the thing. I can see why people like it. It's very cinematic. It's very polished. This game sucks, and you'd be like, I'm still playing it. Like I hate this game. Yeah, fifty hours later, he's like, I hate this game. I know. I'm at sixty five hours played. I hate it. Like, how do you? Why do you Uh, play this? I know. I know. Right. I should. I I should. You know what? I think the reason why I kept playing is because I was waiting for it to like be. I was because I'm like, okay, like there had that ninety four Metacritic had to have come from somewhere. So I was like patiently (laughs) waiting. But um, I think a lot of Metacritic is a lie. I know, right? But like God of War Ragnarok is interesting to me because to me, like I think if you play it for four hours, like it does seem like a good game. But like the thing is, is that there's an attrition element to it that you have to consider. It's like you play it for 30, 40 hours. Atreus will not shut up. The puzzle design is always shit. And it's like that slow buildup of like, oh my God, when will it end? So I think the runtime has something to do with my contempt for that game but anyway so i have a question (laughs) for you guys on this game of the year topic uh dlc of the year we had three dlcs that were knockouts there's world of assassination uh separate ways and phantom liberty right these are three top tier dlcs that came out all this year what do you guys say you guys were saying that that hitman is both of your two your favorite games and I played 100 hours. And of this Hitman is the DLC. best version of Hitman, right? So, like, yeah, like, it's that's the best DLC. What's what's gonna happen it's not here, gentlemen? It's not that tough. It's it's come on, it's not I, that tough. I think I think I actually agree with Aaron. I think the Hitman DLC is my DLC of the year, but I think the Separate Ways DLC might have been just enough to kick RE4 into my game of the year, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. That that's where I'm at, though it's tough because I still look back at Armored Core Six and I'm like, holy shit, that game was so good. So it's really mm-hmm. hard for me to choose right now. I need to like let it sit. But I do. I think I'm liable to agree with uh, Aaron. I think the Freelancer DLC is probably still my DLC of the year. It's just that it happened so long ago, and there's been so many games that have been high quality that it's easy to forget how much we loved it. But like that shit is incredible. Yeah. Um, Go, we got to go back. Like I haven't played it much in uh, the last few months, but I should go back and re- remind myself why it's so great. That's uh, awesome. I don't know. But I, then again, I do love I uh, Phantom Liberty. Phantom Liberty yet. I do love Phantom Liberty, but I think it's more cyberpunk. Like it's more just like high quality cyberpunk. While I think the Hitman DLC like pretty meaningfully shook up the formula. Dude, it elevated sure. the genre. I feel like. Yeah. I feel like it was innovation in the stealth genre. Um, anyway, sorry, Mike. Um. That was okay. I <laughs> we talked I about God of War, Ragnarok, and Hitman back to back. Oh my it's god! So yeah. over. Eternal has to put it out there. It's got to mention it. It's got to like Oliver Boten list has to keep live on. Okay. Just get out of here. Uh, but so Doom Eternal was um, not that good, right? <laughs> Let's talk about Cyberpunk Phantom Liberty. DLC came out. Yeah. Uh, I've only played the intro. I understand. I think all three of you have beaten it. No, I oh, I have okay. not. I am I am still working my way through it. I am milking it for every side quest, Mister Handsy job. Yeah, uh, that is Mr. Hand job. <laughs> that it is worth. I can't believe that they named uh-huh. him Mister Hands. I googled that and I was like, "This is the name you gave this guy? You guys named him for this this event? Well, I don't know if that's intentional." Always- it was always just what's, hands. What's you know? the event? Uh, look it up. Oh, I don't want to okay. talk about I, it here. <laughs> maybe not right now. But um, yeah, so, okay. we Kevin and I spoke last podcast about how much we like the 2.0 patch. 
it, it really was very transformative to the game. It feels like it finally exited early access, blah, 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 blah. I played the first mission of the uh, Phantom Liberty, and I got to say, some pretty heavy COD vibes going on yeah. in that opening mission. <laughs> Extremely linear, spectacle. I'm like, Kevin, tell me the rest of this is not like this. So, Kevin... Tell me the rest of this isn't like this. Uh, as I said, it's not. I didn't like the beginning mission either, and I was a little bit worried I was going to have like a, just a scripted set piece after one or the other, but it definitely was not that. It quickly changes into what you want it to be. So I think they want to start it off with like a bang for people to get them excited, my guess. It's not my not my preference, but... I, but uh, Get your hooks in. I yeah, get it. Yeah, but it, it goes into all the good stuff. It's all there. I mean, I think it is pretty similar to the the base game when yeah. you're initially stealing the relic like that is very much a on rails kind of kind of spectacle i think what they did for phantom liberty was pretty much like the same flow and then the rest of the game I, kind of opens yeah. up but I, I i agree with what you're saying there um and i was thinking about this because i i had just started a new game and replayed that beginning jackie section and thought it was so brilliant there's a lot more pauses in there and um it was a little lighter on the spectacle, I think. Like, you weren't fighting this, like, massive robot and having this crazy boss fight. Yeah. Um, but, but like, it, I guess it was good linear, whereas this wasn't bad linear, but it was just like, whoa, this is really Call of Duty. It's just, like, crazy explosions of falling through the floor, um, that kind of shit. But I, I didn't hate it. I was just, like, a little surprised at how... At, at how uh... And also, you couldn't leave the mission at any point. But, um, but yeah, good, good point. Uh... One thing I want to point out is... I have pretty much played all through Cyberpunk and then I went into the DLC. So I was like level, like close to level 60, right? Yeah. I did not go to a Ripper dock before I started the DLC. <laughs> that was a mistake. Oh. That is a very big mistake <laughs> because you're basically jumping in unleveled uh, because it, it effectively resets all of your perk points, all of your cybernetic mm. upgrades. So my advice is if you're already in-game and you're already late-game and you start up the DLC, just go to a Ripper dock first and get that sorted out. Otherwise, it's going to be a very painful mission. It was pretty hard at level 14 also. Uh, I was, it took me like 10 minutes to, to beat that boss. So, I was like... Oren and I talked about this a little bit, and I just wanted to mention, I think it's worth just mentioning this. If you, I would recommend, my personal opinion, is play your main character for that rather than a new character because I think mm -hmm. there's a couple things that you'll miss that I think are really good um, in that. Not essential, but I, I thought they were really like, impactful and made, made, made it more interesting and meaningful. So just that's my only two cents there. Would be uh, do, do a lot of the main game's story and character stuff before you do it. But yeah, the DLC me, is really good. Sorry. Yeah. No, yeah. I um I actually like went into this game uh as a new character and I was playing through the uh, main campaign and as I was playing through the main campaign I was like getting so much deja vu cuz I played this game like less than a year ago. So I was like, "Oh my gosh, like this is like way too familiar." <laughs> so I like I I kind of like after a certain point I just decided to just mainline to the DLC. And by the time I got to the DLC, I was like level 16 or 17, something like that. And then, um, and then, yeah, I just did the DLC content and then I finished the game because like I've, the other stuff felt like way too familiar to me. Like every time I would start a new mission, I'm like, I just did this. 
Um, but but yeah, like I, I do, I did miss some stuff according to Kevin, and Kevin actually sent me some cut scenes so to see what I missed. So I was like, oh darn, I probably should have done a, my main character. But I did really like the DLC um, a lot. I thought. I think I think the thing that I loved the most about it is that it kind of and this is true with Witcher 3 DLCs as well is that the game kind of has a central idea that it's it's exploring which is like this is a world where all these characters are pawns of these larger corporate or military entities and the whole story is kind of about how all of these relationships are impacted because of the this kind of ideological relationship so I thought it was really strong and compelling and Idris Elba gives like a really great performance that kind of feels in line with his work in The Wire in a lot of ways as Stringer Bell. And uh, one last thing before I toss it back to you guys is uh, there's a mission late in this game. You can miss it, though, that I think Aaron in particular would really like. It's a very Aaron mission, but um, but it was very it, it was very uh, impactful overall. I, I really missed liked it. it. <laughs> I didn't know I was going to miss it. I have a save. I can go do it. I'm just is this based on a choice you have to make? Yes. Okay. Yes. But then, like as I was playing the mission, I was like, "This is the most Aaron mission that could possibly exist in this game." But I'll I'll stop there. <laughs> uh, um, oh oh! Can I say one last thing? I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, I think this DLC, another thing that I really like about this DLC is that I think uh, CD Projekt Red finally kind of figured out how this game is really supposed to flow. And a lot of these missions are now, they've kind of structured them where you go in, it's like an immersive sim, so you can like, you know, take out the guards however you want. And then the mission ends with some sort of moral quandary that you have to do. And I thought that flow was really solid for the side missions like i think they finally kind of honed that down but anyway I'll, I'll stop there no uh i'm glad you brought that up uh that is i think my favorite part about the dlc is that it, every mission is not this sort of like binary good evil outcome right like right and that's almost like the bioware sort of thing where it's like okay if i if i choose the top one that's me being good if i choose the bottom one that's me being evil and then anything in between is just me not really caring that much, but right. every, every single mission, uh, was like the trolley problem. It was, oh my gosh, I'm a murderous monster. Uh, this person just wanted to escape, you know, basically slavery or yes, this person, uh, was being used, but it's the only way they could have a good quality of life. There was just a lot of like morally ambiguous quests and it made me think, Oh crap! I should probably redo this whole quest. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. I I love the I I love how CD Projekt Red and they did this a lot in the Witcher Three DLCs in particular with like Blood and Wine and Heart of Stone. But like usually there isn't really a happy ending, and the happy endings aren't really happy endings. And <laughs> I they're able to kind of conjure this feeling of hopelessness that I think really works with the world that they're building. Right? That like. At the end of the day, these corporate entities will win. When one falls, another will take its place. No one's really a person in this world. They're all just kind of pawns. And uh, I just thought that was really effective storytelling. What also kind of reminds you that V isn't Santa Claus. V is a mercenary. 
Right. And sometimes you have to remind yourself like, oh, wait, I'm being paid. And uh, this is this is what I'm supposed to do. Um, and it it doesn't always feel good. No. <clears throat> yeah, I, 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 uh, I completely agree with all those sentiments. I felt that the missions were all really well done. I was really impressed by the writing of all of them and kind of like, how things can and I heard about The Witcher three. I never like I said, I didn't really play it much, but I, like you, you'll start something and you'll see one way, and then it's not might be actually something else is happening. Right. Which I think they they really do it. The, the start side missions have that too, but I felt like they were more fleshed out in this. I also just wanted to say, <clears throat> like big picture, I think um, this DLC was a really good way to end this game, and I felt like a lot of the themes of the DLC were like about the game itself and like response to the game and, and all of that kind of stuff so i think like after playing the whole thing i was really like oh this is very this is a cool way to i think end this game i i'm sad they're not doing more content for the game Me but too. i think uh i think they really want to make it they want to do that multiplayer i think that's what they're doing on real engine 5 so uh, that's my that's my theory <clears throat> they, yeah. they've built a really cool uh, world they have I, I, I think they, they really killed it. After playing the DLC I, I, and everything, I really like... I really... I really The world's great. They've done a very good job. Yeah, I'm already kind of mourning the fact that I'm not going to get any more. Like, I, yeah. I, I really love the cyberpunk universe. Um, I love all the media, the books. I like reading all the little shards in the game. Uh, it's just... It's going to make me sad when I, when I finish the DLC. Yeah. Which is why I'm milking it for every minute that I, I can. <laughs> uh, and, uh, well, you got another Witcher game coming. I don't give a shit about that. <laughs> <laughs> I have enough I dark fantasy. I, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. No, I, I get it. Dark fantasy overload. Yeah. <laughs> Getting close to that myself. All right, so Phantom, Liber Phantom Liberty sounds pretty fucking great. I uh, cannot wait to finally dig into it. And really enjoy the whole thing. Um, I'm half considering going back to my original character, who's the save file dates back to 2020, <laughs> and playing that character uh, instead of the new character that I played, uh, based off Kevin's advice. I'll, I'm going to consider it because I've only just done that first mission, and if I could, I could probably go back and hammer it through that pretty quick. Do you think, or you should redo it? I would. Uh, you but... Yeah, I mean, based on what you, I don't know, I, I, I just did. Yeah, no. I just don't think Judy Alvarez will fuck me if I do that. That's the problem. And I'm <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I had like a, it was interesting for me to start a new character because like I did miss some stuff, but at the same time, it was so interesting because I was like I didn't want to touch my old save because I was so content with my character riding off into the sunset with Judy and Pan Am that I didn't want to like wow. tamper with that story. Yeah, I was yeah. like, I love that. I so this too. story. So this time, I literally just did a character who was like, I am just like a psycho contract mercenary killer who shoots first, asks questions later, which led to some amazing moments, by the way, in the game. Like, <laughs> But anyway, uh, I played it that way. And it was so funny, even like mainlining the DLC. Like, I think my save file was like 37 hours. By the end of it, I was like, oh, my God, this game. But um, but no, so yeah, I beat the DLC and the game in 37 hours. Um, so I don't know if this is a spoiler, but like 
when you beat the DLC, it unlocks a new ending. Right. And, and you, you don't have to do... Yeah, you don't have to do uh, the main. You don't main. have to play the rest of the game. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that makes Correct. sense. Interesting, interesting. Um, all right. Phantom Liberty, I'm sure we'll be talking more about that, or maybe I'll have something to say. I don't know. Uh, let's quickly check in with Counter-Strike 2, which uh, I left to go to New England for two weeks, and it turns out that Counter-Strike 2, a game I've been anxiously awaiting, was going to release the same day I flew out. And I thought maybe it'll come oh, out no. at 9 in the morning as Steam games often do. And my flight's at 2, so I'll, I'll get a couple rounds in. Um, and then it's all this weird stuff starts happening on Twitter. They're like, oh, and people are like, oh my god, my CSGO matches aren't working anymore. And the Counter-Strike 2 Twitter keeps like teasing stuff. And it turns out that it kind of goes live like the second we have to leave the house. <laughs> so I, I don't get to play around until we get back. Um, and so I hear about it, but, um, I, I finally spent some time with it. I like it a lot. I think that it is a, a good upgrade of, uh, Counter-Strike Global Offensive. It's a little sad that Counter-Strike Global Offensive doesn't exist in the way that Counter-Strike Source and 1.6 do. You can still play it through a beta branch, but it's not like those old, older Counter-Strike games. You can still just go play the way they always were. This has been replaced. Like it said, I had 600 hours of played time in Counter-Strike 2 the first time I launched it, which is obviously not true. Um, but I like it a lot. It, it, it has taken out some game modes, so there's some controversy there. Like they mm -hmm. are slowly re-adding game modes and maps, so it has fewer maps and fewer game modes than Counter-Strike Go did two weeks ago. Um but what's there is good. Kevin played a little. What do you think, Kevin? Um, uh, I think it's as a non Counter Strike person, yeah. Right, as a non Counter Strike person, um, I thought it looked really nice. It ran nice. It has some really cool particle effects. I think like um, the weapon sounds seemed a lot better, so the guns felt a little more punchy than they did. Um, uh, I'm not really a Counter Strike guy, as as we all probably know or maybe don't know. I'm not. It's not my it's not my style. So I, I am not gonna play it. But I think. Um, if I was a Counter Strike fan, I'd be very happy. So I could see why Aaron would be so excited to play it. Um, it does. I, it felt to me, as a non Counter Striker, like a definite upgrade over CS:GO. Yeah. Um, just because I, I said at the beginning of this beginning of this podcast <clears throat> that we we're gonna remember to set things up for anybody who doesn't know, Counter Strike Two is the sequel to many Counter Strikes, and it is a competitive online shooter, uh, tactical shooter, and uh, I do think I think it's the best online shooter out there right now it's the simplest it has no rpg mechanics to to fuck with it it's just like you get better at the game because you get better and that's it it's not because you unlocked a new scope or weapon or anything um and uh if you like that sort of thing it's extremely satisfying so that's all i have to say cool um okay guys are you ready for this? Oh, have, no. let's, let's have a little bit. Oh, yes. I'm so ready for this. Oh, my God. I'm so ready for this. Let's have a little bit of, uh, you know, the battle of the second, maybe third, maybe fourth. I don't know what tier. Different tiered Souls games, right? So From Software started a genre. They also happen to be some of the best game makers in the world. So it's, it's hard to compete with the best, right? But you can come close, I think. Uh, and recently, two different games have, have attempted... You know, they're, they're, they're a little Promethean voyage. So let's start off with Liza P. Orin, I understand you beat this game. Yeah, can you believe I, it? I, I, can you believe tell it? Tell me. I don't know how. <laughs> what is Liza P? What is Liza P? Liza P is Bloodborne if it were Pinocchio. Um, uh -huh. But I think... And a little Bioshock. And a little Bioshock. I think it's... Uh, 
Yeah, if I were to like tell people about it randomly, it, it, it that would be like you know my log line or my elevator pitch. But basically, um, yeah, Neowiz is this developer, and they basically they literally just tried to do Bloodborne. They are they're like the fanboys um, that are like, oh, we can we we love this from software so much that we're gonna do our own version of this game. And uh, my journey with Lies of P is interesting because I actively hated it for like the first 15 hours because I was like, it is too derivative. Uh, I don't, I don't like the uh, hitboxes. It's, um, it's too challenging. It's too stupid. So like I uninstalled it and I played cyberpunk for a bit, but as I was playing cyberpunk, I was like, ah, I shouldn't let this game beat me. So I reinstalled it and then like I beat it in like three or four days after that. Mm. Uh, I, my original criticisms of it still stand. I think it is way too derivative and the game never finds an identity of its own. And mm. I think the storytelling, trying to tell Pinocchio's story through this dark fantasy gothic mode just never really fully clicked with me. I always thought it was kind of cheesy. Um, and I also just don't like parry-based combat that much. And this game is like mm. the parry based combat game that's not Sekiro like if you're not parrying like don't play this game because it's all about parrying and the parrying window is so tiny in this game compared to Sekiro that it was like very frustrating playing it um, but I think by the time I got to the end of the game the combat finally started to click more and I really loved the final three boss fights I thought they were very well designed boss fights so I came out the other end of this game being like, I don't even know how to grade it because I hated so much of it, but I also loved parts of it. So it's one of those games where I feel like if I were to write a review of it, I would just like leave it unrated because I, I just wouldn't know how to rate it because it's just it was so such an inconsistent experience. Would I recommend it? Not really. <laughs> like I'd recommend a FromSoft game over this game any day. But um, and I also thought Wolong Fallen Dynasty of all things. I know this is maybe a hot take, but I actually had way more fun with that game than this one. So I don't know. I'm at a weird place with Eliza P. I will say before I pass it off to Lords of the Fallen. <laughs> oh, wait, Mike, you got to pass it off to Mike or, or pass played, it off to Mike. Right. Because Mike has played it. Um, it has like the dumbest after credit scene I've seen in anything in a while. It was like the most MCU baiting bullshit I've ever seen outside of the MCU. I fucking hated it. No. So there, that's the first thing. <laughs> and the second thing is, I think this is like a top three hardest Souls-like game for oh, really? me. Yeah, because the pairing window is just too small. Mm. It's just like too small and it's a parry based game. And I just never got used to the parrying until like the last like few hours of the game. But even then, I never truly got good at it. And I feel like that's a bad sign of a Souls like, <laughs> yeah. right? Is because what makes Sekiro so great, what makes Armored Core so great, is that eventually you become a master of it, right? You yeah. figure it out. This game, I never felt like I figured it out. I feel felt like I was struggling, even though I did really like the final few boss fights. But that's where I'm at with Lights of P. Incredibly mixed. A game of some really hmm. high highs and some really low lows. Hmm. So I agree with everything Warren said. I want to give it a little praise because it is a well-executed game. Like there's no stuttering. It looks great. I mean, it's it, it performs incredibly well. But 
I didn't really enjoy any of it. Um, I thought it was having kind of a identity crisis where it didn't know what it wanted to be. Do you want to be yeah. Bloodborne where you're dashing and there's a lot of like quick combat and Bloodborne rewards you for that aggressive behavior. Whereas this one, I don't feel like it really rewarded you for any sort of play style except for being perfect at pairing. Cause that's right, what, yeah. that's what every encounter was. Every, um, every, every like mob entity that had, you know, more than two or three hits worth of HP, you had to memorize their moveset and you had to be perfect at it. Every single boss encounter, you couldn't like play it your own way. You had to parry you because, because yeah. otherwise you would just get destroyed. Um, I, I, I have not beat it. I got up to chapter nine and there was a particular boss that had like yet again a phase two. And that was also another thing that I think the game kind of abuses a bit too much is you'll deplete a boss, its whole health bar goes down and then it's like, oh, here's phase two. And then it has a full health bar again. And that's like, oh crap, now I have to memorize this pattern set. Uh, and so I, I, just, I just closed it. I thought I'm not having fun. And that's kind of how I felt about Neo and Wulong is I actually have a pretty low tolerance for not having fun. And I don't need to convince myself to beat something. I just won't play it anymore. And that's kind of where I got with Liza P. Uh, I just right. switched back to Armor Core 6 because I was having an incredible time with Armor Core 6. Um, and now I'm having an incredible time with Lords of the Fallen. But Liza P, I don't, I don't really know if I'll continue it. Yeah, it's it's hmm. tough. It's um, I think I I just felt the urge to complete it because I don't know. I get I I don't know. I get I get like that with FromSoft games where I have like this completionist brain and I hate it. But that's just how I am. Um, but um, yeah, I think the other thing that's that I just don't really like about the game is that. The thing I love about From Software is that not every boss is like this pound you to death boss, right? Like they'll they'll kind of space it out, right? Like here's Genichiro, and then there's like a couple bosses that you can kind of just like kill in like two or three tries, and then yeah. here's the next biz boss, big boss, right? Peaks and valleys, yeah, yeah. yeah and Lies of P, it literally is like every boss is going to destroy you. <laughs> like that yeah. is the mode they're thinking at. And it, it, it just by the end of the game, it's just exhausting. It's just like you, like you can't make every boss impossible like all the time. It's it's too much. But um, it's but I did again. I really liked the last few boss fights. I thought they were really well designed, and it was just it was just strange. It's kind of like it, I felt the same way when I was playing Final Fantasy sixteen. Like Final Fantasy sixteen has some unbelievable moments that blew my mind. But it was there. There was also like a lot of garbage in that game, and, and Lies of P is like the same way. It's like there are some unbelievable highs, but to get to those highs, you have to endure like a game that's too long, a game that's too parry reliant. Um, I I also hated the feeling of upgrading my character and grinding my character so much, and it doesn't matter because if you can't parry these attacks, you're gonna get smacked anyway. It's like just a terrible feeling to have. Um, it, it, that game is really all over the place. It's, it's, a it's a hard game to recommend. Uh, Armored Core 6 is like way better, like way better. Mm. <laughs> so, believe that. But, but Armored Core 6 is also like a top two game of the year. Like, so mm. for me. Hmm. 
All right. That's too bad. I, I, uh, I had some intrigue after spending a little time with Eliza, but, uh, it, it, I don't know the the pairing stuff sounds really just annoying and I suck at pairing for some reason. I just cannot, I got it in Sekiro, but like the games that require me to parry, I just, I'm like really bad at it. It just brings out some, some part of my brain that's just really stupid. And I, this makes me feel bad. So I'm just like no more parrying games. Uh, well, like but, the uh, thing is, is like Sekiro, even though people say it's like the hardest game and it is really hard. The game actually is like a pretty generous parry window for the most part. Yeah. And like all yeah. you have to do is tap a button. Like for the for this mm-hmm. you have to like first of all first of all the parry window is too is like smaller, but you have to like press and hold and then when the next attack comes you unleash and press and hold again and my brain could just never do uh, that. I could I never like figure it out. Yeah, it's it like also, it's like hmm. block block as opposed to tap 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 like Sekiro. It's also extremely punishing. Like when you when you miss a parry, you lose a ton of health. Like it's not yeah. it's not just like slow little chip damage, you know? Like like in Sekiro, you'd either get the perfect parry or you'd block and maybe it like tick off a little bit. This one it's like you almost might as well just eat the hit without even blocking. It's just it's 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 so unforgiving when you miss that it feels pointless. Yeah. It's almost like I, I think I would I think it would, the game would be better if they had no upgrading and it was like Sekiro, you know, like, cause mm. I felt like I wasted my time so much grinding in that game. Like it was, and yet I still beat it. I still fucking beat it. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway. Uh, your, your return on leveling is so minuscule. Like every time it's like, well, I might as well just do Vit and endurance, right? Like, up my equip load so I can carry a bigger weapon and not fat roll. But I don't know. It didn't feel like upgrading strength or dexterity or advanced um, really mattered. You would get like one extra point of damage and then that was it. Yeah. Very frustrating mm. and inconsistent game. Miyazaki said that mm. uh, when he was making Demon Souls, he said, I'm really bad at video games. So I designed the game so if I can beat it, you can beat it. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, uh, that should be mandatory. Armored Core Six's challenge is so satisfying compared to Liza P. Because, like, I mean, one of the best moments that I had this year with Armored Core Six, and I talked about this in an earlier podcast, is just getting destroyed by Baltius, and then just like kind of stepping back for a day and thinking about it, and then just being like, "What if I just like retooled my mech to be this way instead?" And then I killed him in like one try. Like I felt like I I entered the matrix, you know. Like it was just unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, that's that FromSoft goodness. Mm, delicious. Truly. And I mean, I felt the same way. I uh, I struggled a lot with Armor Core Six. Like I was getting very frustrated. Uh, Every you messaged me, like I think I hate this game. Yeah, I like, like I was going, man. Keep going. I, was, I I was having like this existential crisis of like, oh my gosh, I don't like a FromSoft game. Uh, but, but when it clicked, it clicked hard. Like then all of a sudden, like Mm -hmm. I was, I was one with the machine, you know? Mm -hmm. And I just don't get that with lies of P like I've played lies of P for, you know, probably 30, 30 plus hours. And even when I think I'm getting good at it, it's still like, Oh wait, I have to memorize this entire move set or like a tiny baby will just slaughter me. Like it has like a 10 hit combo that's impossible to block 
and for some reason it, it tanks like 50 swings from my electric axe you know uh, uh the old mm. the old endless combos just the best right <laughs> yeah where it's it's it, it's just yeah. a... orange orn just disappeared orn. hopefully uh chicago hasn't been nuked or anything um <laughs> i'm assuming <laughs> there we go Sorry, Looks I'm, like ba- I'm, back. I'm okay. back, guys. Sorry. Con- <laughs> confirmed Chicago has not been attacked by a nuclear strike. Uh, okay. Yeah, no. Uh, audience, I just I had a Wi-Fi hiccup, but I'm back. But uh, um, yeah, like to put it to put a bow on it. Um, lies, yeah, like play Armored Core Six instead. Um, that's like an actual game of the year. Honestly, it might just be game of the year. <laughs> don't play, don't play Lies of V, in my opinion. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's talk about another game that, that, that is entering the fray, the, the, the second, third, whatever tier. Challenge has appeared. Soft. Uh, yeah, new challenger. Uh, Lords of the Fallen, which, uh, here's something that I noticed, right? So Lords of the Fallen on Open Critic is sitting at a 75, which is not a terrible score, but not a great score. Too low. But if you look at the scores, the, the individual reviews, it gets a lot of eights and nines and then like fives and sixes, like people aren't scoring it seven, seven, seven. They're scoring it kind of high or low. It's like polarizing. It's a polarizing game. Um, hmm. and I think it's a good example of why like a review score obviously isn't everything because like, I'm really liking this game. And I think that this game is doing some things that are important and interesting and distinct that make it worth at least my time. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's not really captured in the 75 Metacritic, but, Kevin, what is what is this game? What are we talking about here? It is a uh, Souls-like, um, uh, heavily influenced by uh, Dark Souls primarily, I would say, more than even Elden Ring because of the, it's an interconnected kind of Metroidvania map. Um, but I think it takes a little bit from uh, Sekiro and Bloodborne as well. Um, but it also has its own things going on. It has this like Soul Reaver alternate plane universe thing which you can explore. So the entire map has this parallel universe that you can, or parallel version that you can explore, and it kind of has this, I don't know, Bashinsky kind of look of like uh, dystopian surrealism oh, vibe. It was like that one really good Bloober game, The Medium. Yeah. Oh, my favorite game of the decade. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's it, so the, the 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 pitch of the the game director, which I think is perfect, was he said we want to actually make a non from soft game that's like really good we want to be a game that's like hopefully close to being as good as a from soft game they said our goal was to make dark souls 4.5 they're like we know we can't make it as good as from soft but we're gonna try <laughs> so that was the pitch for this game which i think is actually really funny and very honest with themselves about uh <laughs> about the game but uh what is your opinion so far Aaron? uh let's start with the bad the bad and it's questionable bad, but it is visually very derivative of, oh, of yeah. Dark Souls. Like, it looked like when I first saw the trailer, I, I joked in the Discord, of like, this looks like Dark Souls 3 DLC. Yeah. <laughs> like, it looks <laughs> a lot, right? Yep. And, and Liza P has the same thing with Bloodborne, but, like, both of these games are very clearly using, you know, similar, like, typeface, similar uh, animations and movesets and um, art design, whatever. Um I would say that's probably the biggest knock against it, even though I think it looks cool. Like I think they, they do enough with it to justify it. It is, it is very derivative uh, visually, but I think the fact that it has this really good dark souls one style world, something that FromSoft has completely abandoned. Um, they haven't done that in any other game since. Uh, and it has this 
awesome two worlds mechanic that kind of like forces you to explore in new and interesting ways. It justifies its its existence. It is enough to make it so that it's not just a derivative game. It's like it's doing some things that are, you know, I guess the open world, or the interconnected world is a little derivative, but like, uh, but the the lamp thing is not at all. Yeah, I don't know. It's new. I, I, I'm really liking the first. I'm about seven hours in, and I have been really really liking it. Kind of surprised at how much I liked it. Yeah, uh, same here. I am uh, thirteen hours in. Uh, but I think Aaron's actually further than me because I played it in co-op a lot. Oh, but yeah. I can just say, like, like so far, I haven't beaten the game, so this, this opinion could change. But I think so far, it's the Souls like that I like the most of all the ones I played. And I could I could give you a list here of the ones I played, which is quite long. <laughs> but just the, I can give you the highlights, which would be I've played both Surge games, I played Dimesia, I played both Neo games, I played Jedi Fallen Order, I played the first Lords of the Fallen, I played and kickstarted Hellpoint, um, and Code Vein. So I played all of those games, and I have beaten most of them. Um, and I think this game is better than all of them and more feature-rich than all of them. Um, it, this game seems to be the closest in terms of features on offer to a true From game. Like, I know this sounds funny, but when I was playing with Aaron, I was like, hey, I can drop items and you can pick them up. I've never seen this in the Souls, like, ever. Like, I was like, wow, they actually offer that. I know that's a small feature, but, like, that that level of parity doesn't exist in Souls-likes. Like, it seems like usually they're like, we're going to do 80% of a From experience we're not going to give you everything because one reason or another right but this game's that they're really so far trying to get everything so it doesn't have messages and it doesn't have the spirit mm. bloodstains but i'm actually okay with that because that's a lot of other games have done that souls likes have done that and those are, those are cool but they don't they yeah. don't need to take that mechanic I'm, I'm fine with that not being present but it has co-op and pvp invasions yes which is worth and it has maybe a better implementation of co-op yes than from soft games do although according to steam reviews not a good enough it's not co-op where you just literally are sharing the exact same world it's still one person's like joining the other person's world but like you can just keep playing as long as you want you don't get de-summoned from bosses or deaths you can go to firelink with them or the firelink like hub with them you can upgrade your weapons you can rest with them you can just like sit down and just play the whole game with them and that is i know like I, like it's one of those things like i read about it and i was excited about it but when i actually did it it was like oh this is so nice <laughs> i don't have to be like where's your sign make sure you have the password like you can invite through steam oh my gosh mm. just those kind of quality of life things are just oh yeah miles Ultra ride yeah runs at 100 <laughs> plus frames per yeah. second mike how are you liking lords of the Fall? yeah i have to ask you uh i'm enjoying it quite a bit i think it is one of the best from soft clones yeah. um I think it's the first Unreal 5 game I've played because uh, I think even Liza P was Unreal Engine 4, but uh, performs great um, once it compiles those shaders. Um, yeah, I like that it has classes in a sense, right? Like like I'm I'm a cleric, so I can do a little bit of spell casting and I, and I got a big hammer that I can swing and I do holy damage. And I think... That's something that like a lot of the other, you know, clones also haven't picked up is having all those action RPG mechanics where you have a fire infused weapon, but if something's on fire, it's not going to do as much damage, right? Or you're going up against monsters and, you know, maybe you're, you're going to do better with holy damage versus straight physical attack. Um, I also like that it's not split damage. So, like, I'm doing holy damage, and that's all the damage that I do. So when I upgrade my stats, um, if I pump it into, I don't know, wisdom or whatever it's called in this game, um, 
that just does holy damage and that adds to it. It doesn't like, like, I don't, I don't, I don't have to choose. Am I going to do strength or dexterity or holy? So, um, that's been really cool. It does have a lot of mechanics, especially with the lamp or the lantern that sometimes I do get a little confused. Like, okay, am I supposed to hold the trigger and press Y press X? Where can I put this temporary, um, bonfire basically like you like you can only do it in like certain patches of flower and then it'll yeah. like it'll vibrate or it'll start you know throbbing or something like that and you're like okay well what am, what am i supposed to do here um i do like the the integration of exploring the world so if you feel like you're stuck you're like oh let me let me go to the other side and see if there's some sort of transition and, and you can even preview it right um i think i think that's really cool um let's see I'm enjoying it a lot. Uh, some of the enemies are just kicking my ass too. Like it is, it is a challenge. This is, this is not, <clears throat> this is not a walkthrough. This is not like a piece of cake. Uh, I've died like 15 times in the same area and I'm just barely making progress through it, but it's still more or less fun. I know what area that is. <laughs> it's those area. goddamn spiky helmet. Yeah. It's those guys are, yeah. It's those guys are, you got to run around them. Just don't fight so them. Lamp uh, them. You can do lamp them. Oh, you can lamp them too. Yeah. Yeah. So you can use the lamp to like grab people and throw them around. Pretty um, satisfying. The one thing... Yeah. Yeah. I, so I... like throwing them off a ledge. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, that's pretty fun. It's pretty fun. Kicking them. Have you kicked anyone off the edge? I clicked off so many enemies. Oh, that's The kick that's feature is like, oh, I love this. This is a great addition. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I also think the level design has been really yeah. good. Like Liza P felt like a hallway. From what I played of it, it was just very linear, like straightforward, like right angles. This is like Dark Souls 1 style, like knot that just unfurls, goes up and down and loops back around. Um, you know, there's this heat level that I think is where Mike's probably currently stuck, where there's you're on the side of a cliff. It's very uh, Blight Town, high Blight Town is yeah. asking that you're just constantly about to fall off the edge. Uh, it's... I think I don't, I don't know. I'm like I I'm really enjoying this game. It could be that the you know the last twenty hours are just total shit, but uh, yeah, it's possible. We'll, we'll see. The the first seven or so <laughs> have been really good and get, gave me that kind of feeling of like, oh, I'm playing a good from game and I just want to keep going. Yeah. Like, ooh, I gotta gotta get to that next bonfire. Also, the bonfires are a little further apart than more recent from games. I feel like since Dark Souls one. FromSoft has got a little more uh, judicious with the uh, implementation of those bonfires. A little more. You get them a little more often. I don't, like a little more often than maybe I would like. Great. Yeah. yeah. All over. Yeah. Whereas this, you really have those moments where you're like, okay, I've got a bunch of souls. I'm I'm getting deeper and deeper. Should I keep going forward or should I go back? And you have to make those kind of tactical decisions. And I love that shift. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I've I've had sort of that that panic. You know, like you only got a little bit of health. You have no more heals. You've got like nine thousand souls, and mm -hmm. you're just like, oh shit, where's a bonfire? I need a bonfire. I need a bonfire. And then you die. Uh, yeah. in that, in that area that I've been stuck on, I've died and lost thousands and thousands at this point. And it's just, you know, oh, well, yeah, <laughs> I like how, uh, when you die, you go to the umbral world though, and you can live again mm. and you can, so you, it's this little Sekiro in there. I was like, oh, shadows died yeah. twice in this game. Apparently. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Unless that area of the game forces you to be right. in the umbral world and you just die and then you just die and it's like <laughs> god damn it <laughs> i i wanted to highlight too uh 
about this game. So Aaron pointed out, and he's totally right, that the game looks like a combination of Dark Souls 2 and 3. Visually, like the art style seems to be both of those games. I think that seems it right. Um, but just the, the fidelity is very good. The graphics are like Unreal Engine looks great. The shaders of this game are just like stunning. I remember looking in the hallways and I was just like looking at the lighting and like the occlusion of like this rock formation. It's just like, damn, games look good these days. Uh, I, I was, I'm really impressed the way this game looks. I, I, I do want to highlight also the there is performance issues to, for some people. Um, I had problems with my laptop. I had to turn off a uh, resizable bar, which I could only do with the NVIDIA Profile Inspector. So if you're having weird stutters, look up the mm-hmm. N- NVIDIA Profile Inspector. Uh, you can get it on GitHub, and you can turn it off. Turn off resizable bar through that. Might fix your problems. I couldn't turn it off on my BIOS, through the BIOS of my laptop, but um, the developer responded. They, they've, they've released two patches since launch. So... I have to say, like, these guys released a patch on Saturday, which means they're working overtime to patch the game. So I, you know, I have to give them credit. At least the game has problems, which sucks, and I, you know, they are to blame for that. But at least they're addressing it quickly. Um, worth worth highlighting, I thought. Yeah, uh, I'll say that I've had fewer problems, and I really, I, I bought this game expecting it to be a train wreck. I was like, oh, <laughs> I was just like excited about some of the features, so I'm like, I'll try it. If it's a train wreck, I'll, I'll Steam refund it. I've had far fewer performance stutter technical issues with this game than I did with uh, Elden Ring. Elden Ring for me was crashing. It was you know stuttering all the time on PC. So like, yeah, Elden Ring. That said, it is real. this game's getting review bombed right now on Steam for for that, and that people people are pissed about the the co op not being like 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 your it's both of your world. I don't, I'm okay don't with like, that. I actually have my own that's, world. Yeah, that's weird. That's weird to review bomb though because that's. That's very. That's, that's how From is too. Yeah. That is how From does it. Yeah. I I don't get it, but whatever. Um. Anyway, I'm gonna go give this game a good review just so so. Hopefully, I can offset one person of twenty thousand or whatever. It's <laughs> pretty good on launch. It seemed like there's a lot of people playing it. Um, it's at seven thousand reviews now. So, yeah, I think it did reasonably well on launch, which is which is cool to see. How you are playing right now? Yeah, there's thirty seven thousand yeah. playing it right now. So. We got invaded last night. We got invaded. We killed the guy. We killed him. Kicked his ass. <laughs> Always satisfying. The one, uh, the one complaint I have, and I think all games need to evaluate this. Do not make me press a button for three to five seconds to confirm a choice. Oh, uh, I hate the button. Hold do on. not. <laughs> don't make me do it for the for the end user license agreement. Don't make me do it for quitting the game. Just make it a button press. God damn it! I don't. Yeah, I already know what I want to do. Stop making me uh, think about it for five seconds. I yeah, I agree. With I that. That's, hear that's that. annoying. I think they do it so you don't like fat finger by accident. But I I I am with you. I don't like the, the hold the confirm either. It's funny though yeah. because uh, games like this often punish you um, in game, right? Like if you fat finger in uh, your your swing or your block you know, you die. die. Yeah. But yet, mm-hmm. to quit the game, they're going to be like, whoa, 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 we, we really want to make sure this is what you want to do. Are you sure? Are you yeah. super sure you want to apply these changes? Yeah. Yeah. It's annoying. Um, hmm. That's my game design rant. That that uh happened a lot in Lies of P where, like, I would accidentally, like, I would try to heal, but I would instead press my grinder instead or I'd press a different <laughs> button and it would just kill me instantly. It was so oh obnoxious. I hated it so much. 
All right. Well, I guess that's it for Lords of the Fallen now. We will definitely keep playing a check back in. I, I do hear that there are some later game inconsistencies, so we'll see how much that is a problem for us. But so far, I, I really like it. Um, and it, it was awesome. performing well for me on my PC. Got crossplay, too. Uh, like the first crossplay yeah, Souls yeah. like I think ever. Oh, that's that's funny. Yeah, yeah that is pretty cool. Uh, um, all right. Code Vein went also Quickly. crossplay. What? Oh, it was? Yeah, remember we... Oh, no, I'm sorry. Not not crossplay. Co-op. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Co-op, yeah. Code Vein and Neo were co-op. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Um, let's talk about Sea of Stars real quick. This is a uh, JRPG that came out uh, like a month ago. I'm about six hours, seven hours into it. I like it a lot. Uh, let's. I'll just go to the basics. It's got really, really good graphics. It's gorgeous looking. Um, the soundtrack has... Tracks composed by Yasunori Masuda, who, if you don't know who that is, he's a like a legendary JRPG composer. Did the soundtracks for like Xenogears and Chrono Cross and Chrono uh, Trigger. Um, it's got uh, really good combat. I think it's probably got better combat than um, than uh, even Octopath Traveler, which I liked a lot. Uh, it, it's weird. It uses these like timed button presses to sort of like get you either get like a little extra damage or you take like a, a dodge. When, when you when you're getting hit, I should say this. Uh, but um, I thought I was gonna hate that, and I actually really like it. And I think it adds like like the worst thing a JRPG's combat can be is sort of like you're just pressing attack, and it's just like a war of attrition till it ends. Like this feels very dynamic and like puzzle solvy, and uh, it's good. Uh, the story's good. It's it's a little more Saturday morning cartoon than say like you know crazy anime, which is what I, I kind of prefer my JRPGs to be like. Uh, a little more, you know, Ghost in the Shell or Evangelion, but um, this is uh, this is good, um, and uh, it's it's I don't know, it's been fun. I, I'm I'm really liking it. I think it will be, I think it's likely to be a classic. I saw and, that uh, Garrett beat it on Twitter, and he loved. Oh, it. Oh, did he? Yeah, so that makes sense. That's oh, we should cool. have him on about that. Yeah, um, so, so that's cool. Was developed by the Messengers developer, correct? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. That is um, cool. Yeah. I'm definitely interested in that. Yeah. It also has like really good puzzles in exploration. Like the dungeons, like it's all these things I heard about. And I was like, man, I don't like Zelda puzzles that much anymore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was like having that kind of thing in a game could be annoying, but the puzzles are just enough of a challenge that they like, they get you, they make you feel smart when you solve them a minute later, but they're not like, they don't, they don't cause like major friction or slowdown. Um, and uh, I don't know. I, I it's, it's good. It's just been, I've just been having a good time with it. Pretty cool. So, JRPGs. JRPGs. Yeah, there's been a few of them this year. Um, pretty, pretty good. Pretty good year for RPGs in general. Guys, right? it's been a good year. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a really good year. Been yeah, still, I feel like I'm spoiled. I feel like I'm eating flame and yawn all the time. I'm actually not a big steak guy. I feel like I'm eating In and Out Burger every day. It's, like I'm not, <laughs> it's a nonstop In and Out Bonanza. I feel like it's 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 a succulent uh, chicken breast every single day. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but then like you get to the point where you're full all the time, and you're like, "Oh my god, please stop, please!" But then like you look yeah. at Open Critic or whatever, and another game comes out with an 89 or whatever, and you're like, "Oh fuck!" Yeah, next is <clears throat> is uh, we don't, we're not even done. We still got I say Max Payne, not Max Payne. Uh, Alan Wake too. Alan Wake. Yeah, Max Payne. Yeah, Max he's Payne. in the game. Basically, Sam, he's in the game. Sam what if Alan Wake, Wake Two gets a bad gets bad reviews? What what happens would, then? Just don't think that will happen. Just 
play it anyway. Yeah. Waste yeah. your money. How, um, how could that happen? I feel like it's like impossible. Oh, it's possible. It'll, be, it'll get bad reviews. I, think they'll get, like, I thought it reviews. was impossible that the first Alan Wake would get bad reviews. Let me tell you, it got some bad reviews. <laughs> yeah, um, no, it's definitely possible. But Quantum Break wasn't probably... excellent either. That's, yeah, yeah. Like so I, I didn't want to watch a TV that. show. I don't even like Control as much as you guys do. Like I like it, but like oh, I really I, like Control. I, I kind of with Control. Control's interesting because the first time I played it, I was kind of underwhelmed by it. Like I had to play it a second time with the DLC to embrace it more. But I, I, I get you, Aaron. It, I was kind yeah. of underwhelmed by Jesse Fadden as a character, and so I, I get it. I just wish you could reload. <laughs> That's all I want. Mm. Mm-hmm. The cooldown shooting wasn't my favorite. That's my only complaint with that game. Uh, okay, Oren, what the hell is Cocoon? Uh, Cocoon, Cocoon is um like a small indie puzzle game made by um the ex puzzle designer of play dead who did like limbo and inside so that's the pedigree of this game and it's like a really short four to five hour though it could be longer depending on you know because it's a puzzle game uh yeah if you're dumb it could take like 30 hours (laughs) it could take 30 hours if you're dumb or whatever but um yeah it's on game pass and the premise of the game is that you're just like this little insect just kind of solving puzzles with orbs and it's cool because the orbs themselves contain like worlds within worlds so you can hop into that orb and it's a totally different level and in that it's kind of like inception in that way you can go like taco within a taco within a taco and what happens within these worlds can impact what happens on the worlds on the outside and vice versa and whatever and um uh Again, it's on Game Pass and it's excellent. Um, one of the one of the best games this year for sure, like hands down. Um, I think it. I think um, what I love about it is kind of comparing it to another puzzle game I loved this year, uh, Viewfinder. Viewfinder is another game that I really loved. However, the structure of that game, like it has a really cool core conceit to it that like it has this amazing first impression and then the game kind of like uses the momentum of that first impression to carry you through the rest of the game, which is great. That's what I love about viewfinder. But what I love about cocoon is that the game is kind of a slow build up to this one giant puzzle you're going to solve at the end of the game. So the game is slowly introducing these mechanics to you in its short runtime to prepare you for this giant final puzzle and I think I prefer that a little bit to Viewfinder's approach, which um, I thought was like, I just thought this was like a little bit more gratifying. So this is a, a year of two amazing puzzle games. I haven't played others, obviously, but like Viewfinder and Cocoon, like I recommend both. But if I had to give the edge to one, I think Cocoon does it like a hair better. Um, but it's excellent. Mm. Like, wow. Some of the, they're the, that final puzzle I'm talking about is some of the coolest shit I've seen in games recently. Like, oh my god, I was like, when I figured out what I had to do and how I had to do it, I was like, oh my god, I cannot believe this game is doing this right now. Very, very cool game. Not a huge commitment. You can beat it in a day or two. Game Pass. That Game Pass. Nice. Yeah, it, it's worth mentioning that the developer, I think his name is Yep Carlson or Yep Jep Carlson, is a uh, mm-hmm. guy who did uh, Inside and Limbo. You said that. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. My apologies. No, it's all, it's all good. Yeah, yeah. He's 
He was like the uh, core puzzle designer. And he, he he even said that one puzzle that I'm talking about, I think he said on Twitter that that's like his masterpiece. That's like the proudest he's ever been in terms of creating a puzzle. And like the when I say one? it's one big, yeah, when, when I say it's one big puzzle, it's uh, it's not like, you know, like five minutes you solve it. Like it is like an extensive like boss fight that you do at the mm-hmm. end of the game that takes about an hour. So it's, it's like a true final puzzle that mm. requires you to like, okay, this is all you've learned in this game. Now apply it to this giant thing. And it, it, it works. I, I've heard some, that sounds really cool. I've heard some people criticize it online for saying that like, it feels like the game's just getting started and then it ends. But I personally thought that that final puzzle was so good that it works for this game that they the game is literally just one build up to this one giant puzzle and I, I thought that was awesome. No pushing of boxes. <laughs> there is pushing of stuff, but it but it mm. weirdly works in this game. It's hard to de- it's hard to describe. I kind of I had that fear going to into it that it would be a lot of holding A to do stuff and it does have that, but like it's paced just well enough that it didn't feel obnoxious. Like in a naughty dog game or something. Does it ever have any like uh, observing paintings and moving clocks? Yes, a little bit. <laughs> okay. It, observation. There are, there are my favorite. There are the ones we always like, right? There are observational puzzles and then there are puzzles where you just have a lot of moving parts and you have to figure out how those moving parts click together in a way that's like really 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 cool. And um it is. I think it's the closest a video game has come to actually capturing the feeling of watching Inception, mm. because in Inception, something that's happening in one universe is impacting what's happening on the outside, and that's happening on the outside. Like this is a game where it's like, okay, you have to think about like five layers deep what is happening in one universe, and how that's going to impact what happens on the fifth universe. And it's like, it's really neat. It's really neat what they pulled off. Cool. You see, I was positive right. this podcast. I wasn't just down on Lies of P. So that's true. That's true. Warren, you are you're Mr. Happy. Uh we like it. No, that, that game sounds pretty fun. I, I was going to play it, but then I got I fell into with the, some lords and I was done. My time yeah. is gone. Um The four uh, the four hours I spent on Cocoon were, were better than all thirty five hours I spent with Lies of P. So oof. Oof, I could uh, I could use more <laughs> use a four hour game right about now. Um, guys, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a thought. Let's let's let me, let me pose a thought experiment. Imagine a different version of the world where capitalism is either restrained, different, or non-existent. But you know, video games exist. But video game design does not rely on considerations for marketing and uh scale and hype and um spectacle right like Why video des- game des- you're, you're describing a paradise right now a paradise it's we're a- gonna see if that's what you think uh what 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 kind of video games do you think that world might produce system disco elysium System Shock 2, yeah. Yeah, Disco Elysium is a good example, <laughs> I think. Press, press X to uh, help your partner over here, over the thing. Collaborative what? games of helping people. <laughs> a la- uh, no, get out of here with that. Uh, <laughs> is that a joke? A joke, uh, yeah. No, okay, so I, I guess I want to make the analogy to, like, Hollywood and, like, 
you know, Soviet or even European cinema, right? Like Hollywood's all about the spectacle. Back me up on this, Arn. You went to film school, right? <laughs> no, yeah. And, and European the, the cinema Sergei is... Sergei Eisenstein, yeah, for sure. Sure, yeah. Um, so, okay. Playing Baldur's Gate 3 reminded me that I really like CRPGs. Uh, and uh, so I started going down Reddit rabbit holes and watching YouTube videos about other CRPGs just to see what I had missed. And I came across a game called Underrail made by two people from Serbia. Mike, have you heard of this game? No, I haven't. Oh, okay. Well, you, uh, you, might, you might find it interesting. It's, uh, it is a CRPG. It is made in the sort of Fallout mold. It's clearly influenced by Fallout, but it takes place underground, which I guess this is just like a, like a Eastern European thing because like the Soviets build these subways that were way under the ground that were supposed to double as nuclear Fallout shelters. So like I can now think of two video games that take place entirely in sort of like underground uh former things but um the pitch that got me most excited about this game despite uh, other than people saying it's like a masterpiece it's one of their favorite games um it has sort of like a dark soulsy like the the way people talked about dark souls in like 2012 2013 is kind of how people talk about this game where it's like it's not for everybody but it's like an uncompromising masterpiece blah 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 um but like the pitch that got me interested was was uh i think his name's never known best was saying it takes place in a world that's like so old and like that like groups have like risen and fallen and then died out, right? And then been resurrected and then died out again. And that's kind of where you find yourself. So you're like in this underground world. You can't go to the surface. Nobody even knows what caused the calamity on the surface. It's like ancient history. You don't even know how to get up there anymore. Um and so I've played about 20 hours of this game. And I really, really, really like it. Like, like it has been competing with my Baldur's Gate time. Um, it's very challenging. It's very hard. Uh, it has these battles that o- they're, they're turn-based, but they almost remind me of Hotline Miami because they're very, very fast. Like, you can just die in, like, a hit or two. And you can also just kill somebody in a hit or two. So there's, like... Uh, there's definitely some save scumming. It's definitely a game built around save scumming. Um, it has a very simple artistic style... Uh, but it, it just, I don't know. The reason I brought up this initial analogy about like what would games be like in a, in a if made by people less concerned with hype and marketing. Because like this game has like no spectacle. The graphics aren't very flashy, but like it feels complete to me. Like like everything's there. It doesn't, you know, sometimes indie games feel like maybe they're missing. They skimped on something. Like they didn't skimp on anything here. It's, you know, the art, it's it's simplistic in some ways, but um, yeah, I, I, I really, really like it. Like, the, I'll try to sum up quick, but like the, the thing that one of my favorite loops in games is where you like go out, explore, you scavenge a little, and then you have something valuable that you kind of have to get back to your home base. And that the place that you're exploring is extremely dangerous and hostile. So, like, there's a question about whether or not you're going to make it back safely, right? Like, Resident Evil is like this, Dark Souls is like this, Stalker was like this. This game does that really, really well. And, um, yeah. Everrail, huh? I'm gonna have to t- look. Underrail, underrail. I'm sorry, underrail. My bad. Yeah. Hmm. It uh, it came out in 2015. It has DLC coming out in a couple days, which is um interesting. They they now it's I think it comes out November 1st. So I guess two months or in you know, a sorry two weeks. Um, but there's a sequel uh that should be coming out maybe next year, or the year after that, and um. Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 really cool. I, I don't know what else to say about it other than it's it's known for being really hard. 
if you you could it has a really deep uh character creator so you can make really complex builds it's got stat based building system um and some people have complained in the past that they got soft locked because their character was too weak and apparently the game is pretty rough if you make a generalist so you really have to sort of make a specialist um but it has like probably one of the best uh stat based like character creators i've seen outside of like an like an mmo like anarchy online or something like that like you can make really distinct diverse characters with really different play styles so it's also it's fifteen dollars awesome. yeah it's also fifteen dollars so I, had, I think i'm just gonna buy it nice. yeah i had a similar question about baller's kit and i was thinking about this and i'm like i don't know if like this is a charitable take or not but i just i thought it was curious but it might be a long conversation we should say for another time i don't know how much time. just ask your damn question don't do that okay so um <laughs> i was thinking about um warren specters talking about Famously, famously Uncharted, right? Warren Spector talking about low expression, right? Not taking advantage of the video game's medium. So I was like, hmm, I, I've always, and I know that that's kind of a controversial take, and it's like, I don't even know if I agree with it entirely, to be honest, but I, I think it's an interesting thought, right? And he was saying like, games should inspire, his whole idea is games should inspire to be movies because you're not taking advantage of what makes games, video games specifically, uniquely video games. So I was thinking of the same thing, I was like, hmm, is adapting a tabletop game to a video game also low expression? Because you're not taking advantage of what makes video games a video game, right? If you can play it on the tabletop, right? Let's just let's just say let's just take this, right? If I adapt chess to a video game, that's cool, right? But I can't adapt Super Mario Brothers to a board game and have it actually be like Super Mario Brothers, right? It, we could have mm -hmm. rules that are similar and all these things. So like is i was thinking like is baldur's gates combat like low expression like under warren specter's view because it's not taking advantage of what makes a video game a video game because it's uh, so true to its adaptation to a tabletop game hmm. i have thoughts okay um i i love warren specter but i think that line of reasoning is is horseshit I might agree uh, with you. Be honest, I, I yeah, think video games are. There's a lot they of things that make video games video games. Yeah. There's no like like to say that there's certain necessary conditions of video games that if it, and that video games that meet those necessary conditions are are high. I don't. I just don't like it. I, I think he's missing the point. I, I get what he's doing, and I appreciate his style of game making and the games that he's made. And I think people should make games like that. And I think Underrail is a good example of a game like that. Like the the story flows from your fingertips. Um, but like, yeah, I, I just, I think that that's bullshit. I think, uh, I think that, yeah. Uh, I would actually refute make games anymore. Hmm? <laughs> Warren Spector doesn't really make games anymore either. That's true. He's right. only made like six games in his whole life anyway. But like yeah. that was like 25 years ago, practically. I actually would use uh, the last of us as a way to refute that point because I think the last of us, would make for like a not very interesting movie or TV show. And which that, it did. <laughs> which, which it did. But as a video game, yeah. it totally works. You know? I agree. So I totally agree. That, that's what I, th how I feel. So the only thing I thought that was, that was interesting about this is I was like taking advantage of video games as a medium. I think there's some truth to that perspective to a degree. I think there's something there, but I would, I, I don't agree with what he says entirely, but I was thinking like, I was thinking, like, why is it that maybe I don't love Baldur's Gate is because it is so true to the tabletop game. Now, again, 
this is no hate to the tabletop game. This is no hate to Baldur's Gate. I think that they're both great. And I think it, it being true to it, yeah. if you were a fan of tabletop, is like the best thing ever. But I was thinking, like, to me, who's not a fan of tabletop games, I think that's why there's a disconnect on the combat. Because I'm like, you know, I feel like this could be a lot more than just pretty graphics and doing dice rolls in pretty graphics. Like, I think, I think. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's, that's a. I hear what you're saying, but I felt like you kind of short sold it. Well, a dice, dice rolls is just an example. I'm saying, like, yeah. the game, I think, could be more of what I want, which is the video gamey gameplay instead of adaptation of a tabletop game. Not that that's bad or one's better yeah. than the mm -hmm. other, but you just mean real time though. You, yeah, like, well real time real time is, is really is, what makes it has been adapted to a video game. But real time is like what video game makes them unique. It's like it's like no? I mean that's like I don't know about that. I don't know if I agree with that. I, okay. I I see what you're saying. But like could I, I have tabletop through my brothers? No. Uh, no, no, but like it wouldn't be the experience of playing Super Mario Brothers, so yeah, so I don't know. So like, I just thought it was an interesting idea. I don't really have a, a strong perspective, but I was thinking, like, maybe this is why I feel there's a disconnect here with, with Baldur's Gate, like, why this combat like doesn't do it for me. I was like trying to think of, like, is there a reason for this, or is it just that I don't like turn based combat? Well, probably, I think you just it's like probably, but like, I think there might be something there because, like, uh, um. Yeah, I tend to like like very video gamey video games, like <laughs> whatever that even means. Armored Core Six. There you go. <laughs> My problem with Baldur's Gate Three is that, just like in real life, I am very bad at rolling dice, yeah. very very bad. So I die often uh, when I do pen and paper with like friends in real life. Um, I am the worst die roller there is, and I have to rely upon my creativity to like talk myself out of a bad situation <clears throat> um, versus a video game. You can't do that, right? Like you can have some critical failures, but in combat, you're just going to die. You're just going to take those hits. Uh, I think that's where maybe some of the adaptation of directly lifting pen and paper kind of can fall apart a little bit. Yeah. But you know, the that's dice rolling is like, it just seems I don't know. I, I, I respect that it's legacy. It's it's there. But I'm like, is there a better system we can use for this? I don't know. Because what ends up happening is I just save scum every time. If I fail a roll, I will save scum every time. Yes. So it's like honestly meaningless. It's just like, do I load or not? I kind of yeah. I kind of agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think the game that did it well is Disco Elysium. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. failure, like it, it wasn't so much like you lost a battle. You just have a different branch now. Right. Yeah. Whereas like in Baldur's Gate 3, you die. And then you yeah. have to be resurrected or you have to load a, your last save. So I find myself uh, save scumming a lot more in Baldur's Gate 3 than I ever did with Disco Elysium. I think my, my ultimate point on that is game. just like I, if, if Baldur's Gate had a more video gamey combat system, I would be more into it. I, yeah, I don't want to say it's bad because I I don't think it's bad. I think it's well done, and I think like if I there was, was a Twitter post on this, yeah. and it was uh, I think I told you about this. It was oh. like this guy I don't know who it was, but they they were like, I think that Larian should take some of their money and make a DLC that adds Witcher three style combat, <laughs> real time third person combat to this game because then I could finally enjoy this game. And I know there's lots of people out there like me. And then like the top post underneath it was like, I'm not playing cyberpunk until they add a tactical turn-based option <laughs> with some of their, their loot. So it was like, that's like such a, like 
a like what about kind of response but i i see the criticism and i and i well it's like it's, the thing it's, is it's like it's a, yeah like it, that's a it's like it's like a bad idea but i would play it <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i would enjoy I, it and i would much prefer that but it it wouldn't be the it wouldn't be Baldur's Gate three. No, it wouldn't. It, it, and I mean, it's I don't know. It's it's I, I get it. Like for me, Baldur's Gate three is like the ultimate RPG like that because I hate the combat in The Witcher three. Like, and I hate The Witcher vision. It's like The Witcher three. I want to I want to experience that story, but that combat is just garbage. It's like they couldn't they couldn't get there by my my metrics. And uh, Baldur's Gate three has uncompromisingly good turn based tactical combat, but like. It's polarizing. Not everybody likes that for and, and for good reasons. Like you know, sometimes you don't want to watch fifty fucking characters, Dude, fifty fucking watching my know, characters like run around the screen. Watching my characters like go to get in a position to attack and like do the swing and then fucking miss and then like watch the enemy Riff, like yeah. run and then like watching the next enemy like 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 having four people fight each other for like two like like five attacks can take like two minutes. It's just like yeah, they could speed that up. This is slow. Yeah, I, you should be able to fast forward combat. I think that would really help. I don't know. I'm not here to complain about Baldur's Gate Three. I'm sorry. That was this was kind of a side note, but I just thought, I just wanted to like run it by <laughs> you guys because I thought it was a curious idea. Um, that's all. We ended up having a topic of the week. Yay! <laughs> at, at some point, I'm actually going to have to play Baldur's Gate Three again. I've I've just been overloaded with everything else. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't worry. You've got at least 60, 70 hours left after the uh, the Temple of Shar or whatever. <laughs> Gauntlet of Shar. I haven't even gotten there yet. That's where I left. I'm only in chapter two. Uh, I think uh, the game of the year, the game of the year conversations are going to be interesting because I think we're going to all be fighting for different games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, imagine the closest a video game has come to feeling like you're inside an HBO show and you are actually in control of your actions. Cyberpunk? Of course, I'm talking Cyberpunk? about Star Starfield, right? Starfield. True <laughs> <laughs> detective again. Uh, I do think it's true. interesting how Starfield, like a week before it came out, it was like, is this going to be Jump Crotch's game of the year? And it just seems like that's not even in the conversation oh, anymore. It never was. It got booed at top 10. Um, oh, wow. Like not it. even top 10. Wow. But I uninstalled it, so my girlfriend described know, it man. perfectly. I felt like she was like, "It's like they're trying to have like a real world sci-fi setting, but with blinders on. Like all the violence and the bad things are like, <laughs> like oh, that's exactly what it is." PG thirteen. Yeah. 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 It's well. also it just looks like garbage once you go back to Cyberpunk. <laughs> Dude, Cyberpunk like, like destroyed yeah. that game for me. I just yeah. want to because I don't think I got to gush about it enough. The animations in Cyberpunk are amazing and idris elba's performance like when you can see subtle eye movement and like how he just moves his face like because i've i've watched him in a lot of stuff i think he's an incredible actor and i really enjoy all of his material and i felt like i was watching someone filming him like they are they are absolutely incredible and so even like npcs on the street sometimes have really high quality uh, animations and facial movements, but the main characters like Keanu Reeves as Johnny looks even better now. So just having a week, having a month between Starfield and the cyberpunk DLC, like Starfield really looks like garbage in comparison. They just, they, they just look like dead puppets. Yeah. I, I 
the, the Baldur's Gate Cyberpunk sandwich yep. did not. Those two, yeah. man. Two like, <laughs> they, they <laughs> ate years. the flunk out, yeah. out of its lunch and dinner. Yeah. Um, I'm still yeah, gonna go back yeah. to Starfield. I'll still load it up. <laughs> Once I'm done with Dude. everything else, that's great right now. Yeah, the DLC I'm sure will be something, and the mods, the, you know. Once I can play as a naked cat person, it's going to be really good. <laughs> I got to say, though, like about Aegis Elba's performance really quickly. Um, no. I love how the the game and the performance captures like uh, how unhappy he is and how he's like not really like he's doing things against like what he like he knows he wants to do. And he's like ruining relationships because of it. And like the whole performance captures that like the whole time. And I just, mm. you just would never get that subtlety, I think, in like a Bethesda game, you know? So. You, all right. My thoughts. These are my uh, thoughts. Uh, I, I, yeah, I got to dig Bethesda's in. Um, so dated. I'm sorry. It's <laughs> Feels old, man. Seventh yeah. gen game. It's uh yeah that I love that hallway city they got. Yeah. Um, it has no concept of nuance, you know. It's like it is still kind of like that classic. I'll, I'll mention it again, but like Bioware binary good evil, uh, and not not everything needs to be morally ambiguous. Sort of like cyberpunk is right. Like, uh, there is no good person. There is no evil person. There's just people. You know adapting to the situation they're in that's fine like i don't i don't need everything to be like that but it just it it just comes off bethesda wise as very juvenile very like i don't know mary sue sometimes just uh just like softball fan fiction of the hero you want to be starfield for sure feels that way yeah that's what he's saying i know i know i'm just Um, (laughs) did you do any of the crimson fleet stuff no, I don't think so. Oh, oh, it's you should get part into of that. that game. It's the best part of the game. Yeah, I've sold some it, organs it, it, here and there. You know, yeah, me too. Um, why can't you harvest you them? Can... Sorry, I'm just like why the, can't the Fleet... so many? I've killed so many spacers. Is is the one quest line that does have some of that nuance, some of that like yeah, like uh, it's it's more challenging and like I don't know, like like with, without getting too deep into it, like I I did something that resulted in somebody's death, and then like a whole ship as I was walking through, it was like subtly under their breath berating me. Like you killed my friends and family. Well, and, stuff. I, <laughs> and that's like the really goofy thing, right? Like uh, you'll go on a mission and you'll kill spacer pirates, like dozens of them. You don't leave yeah. anyone alive, but no. then you accidentally shoot a ship like a merchant. And all of a sudden everyone on board's clutching their pearls. <laughs> They're all running around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're, they're like screaming at you. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then you just do some dialogue and they're your best friends again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like, you, like it, it actually, it actually models really toxic gaslighting spousal behavior. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> because you'll you'll do something and you'll be like, "Baby, I'm sorry. I I just, I, I want to change. I want to be good." And they go, "Well, okay." <laughs> and then everything is good again until you murder another merchant. Yeah, I, I like uh, how you gotta, um... you gotta get those merchant ships. I think I think uh, Keanu Reeves in Cyberpunk like that works way better, right? Because I think he'll he's kind of like the therapist in The Sopranos, like he'll contextualize what's happening in like a really interesting way, 
And I think that's more interesting than what Starfield is probably doing, though I haven't I haven't played Starfield. So we, can I just give a I shout think... out to Johnny Silverhand in uh, Cyber in the DLC? It's like so much better. Like he's he is so great. I love him in the DLC. DLC is like I've I've always loved him, but yeah, I've always right. been a stand for Johnny Silverhand. When I, yeah. when I go back and forth, I'm like, God, he's such a dick in the main story. He's an asshole. But if you go to the DLC and he's like funny and he's got all sorts of like he's got all these things that he I he, and even mm. uh, stuff happens with him. It's good stuff. I'm a fan. Right. Did you? I, I know uh, we're trying to move on, but did you ever play the Sinner Man quest line in the main game? Yeah. No. That that was the moment I fell in love with Ke- with Keanu Reeves, like just his reaction. The cross. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just just his comments in that one were just so fucking funny. Oh my mm. god. Um. But mm. but yeah. No. He's. Uh, I've always loved Keanu. But you're right. Like his like best that. moments are in the DLC. Like he's excellent in the DLC. They also altered. Sorry, I'm I'm not moving on. By the way, I'm not letting you guys move on because I want to talk about this more and more. <laughs> We're trying uh, to end the podcast. Man. No, it's all about cyberpunk. Um, I thought it was great though that Johnny's interaction with you in the DLC is fundamentally different. Whereas in the in the base game, he'll 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 appear in the beginning and he'll sort of give you like leading questions, right? So. So you already know, like, okay, is this a Johnny-approved response or not? And you don't want to always be Johnny's friend because he is kind of an asshole in the base game. But in the DLC, he's more of like, he's like your conscious after the fact, right? Like, right. He'll, he'll make an appearance after you've already made some sort of choice. And he'll comment on whether he thought that was good or not. Uh, but I thought it was, it was a subtle difference, and I... I enjoyed his character more in in the DLC. Yeah, he, he yeah, just seems nicer. Yeah, he seemed nicer. He seemed like he was less of like combative. Yeah. Well, okay. I, th- I think one of the biggest I think I think one of the biggest flaws in the Cyberpunk main story is that he goes from like huge asshole guy, and then all of a sudden he's like okay with being in your brain over the course of like fifteen minutes. And, it, and like that's always been a little jarring even like replaying that part of the campaign it's still jarring so I think part of it's the wish blip, blip, whiplash of that from act one to act two so but yeah, yeah. Mm. anyway uh, I'll move on sorry guys <laughs> yeah also Kevin uh, sorry for jumping on your, your topic of the week a little well, I, I thought about that question that you had asked a lot and, and so I already had I, too much to say which question that question about the uh, high levels, low levels of internet. Oh, the oh, war, the war well, I don't agree with Warren Spector. I just, I just, yeah, yeah, I just yeah. think it's a funny question to like. I just think it's a funny way to look at things, even though I don't agree with the, the premise. Even I still think it's like it just there's something about taking advantage of being a medium. I think is an interesting idea, but it's okay. It's all good. Um. All right. Let's get to personal recommendations, Mike. I see you got some some websites. My personal rec. Because uh, it is it is the season. It is the uh, Halloween season. Um, I'm enjoying Creepshow. Uh, season four is on Shutter, Or I guess if you still have cable, it's on AMC, A&E, something like that. But it's on Shutter. Shutter's very cheap. Shutter's like a couple bucks. Um, and they haven't raised their price, much like Disney Plus, Hulu, and Netflix. So I wholeheartedly support Shutter. Uh, and VHS... 84, 85 came out last week as well. So if you like that in anthology mm-hmm. horror series, which I do, uh, Shutter's a great deal. Creepshow's written by Stephen King and directed by George Romero. What a what a combo. 
Well, that was the first movie. That was the movie. Oh, okay. And it wow. is fantastic. It is, uh, it is brilliant. The TV show, which has been on for four seasons now, uh, it's it's not of the same caliber, but I find it enjoyable. I thought the first episode, for instance, was kind of funny. Uh, it's really lighthearted. Uh, doesn't take itself too serious. I've watched like two two full episodes now. Of season four, I've watched the other seasons, and they're all they're all fine. But um, you know, it's like it's like a little schlocky. It's a little low budget, but again, it's it's great entertainment, and it's October, so that's what I recommend. Cool, cool. I really liked the uh, briefcase episode. Oh yeah, that was good. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably I haven't seen all of them, but I remember watching that one thing, thinking it was really fun. Yeah. Uh, the one that I watched right. last night was The Hat. Okay. And it is a... It, it's funny because it's very much calling out Stephen King in a sense, right? Like, it's it's about a writer who has writer's block. And he's looking Classic. up to this... Yeah. And he's, he's, <laughs> he's comparing himself to his idol, which in the show is Stephen Bachman, which is a portmanteau oh, nice. of Stephen King nice. and Richard Bachman, yeah. his, his uh, writer alias. And so, uh, very humorous. I actually thought as cheap as the visual effects were and as campy as the acting was, it was actually like a really fun story. And I predicted where it was going to go, like in my head, and I was still happy that it did it. It was great. Cool. Uh, I'll go real quick. Uh, A few weeks ago, maybe two months ago, I was flying my drone, getting some shots of lovely Los Angeles, and uh, I decided to land, as you do at the end of a drone flight, and I landed into a tree, and uh, my drone was uh, still there, sadly. So uh, I I needed to get a new. I didn't need, but I, I wanted to get a new drone. And so I uh, EJI just put out their new Mini Four Pro like like two weeks ago, and I I got it, and I've been flying it, and it kicks ass. It's got a it's got log profile, which probably doesn't mean much to many people, but if you fly drones, you know that the dynamic range can be a problem, and log helps you preserve that. It's got obstacle avoidance, so I will never crash into a tree again. And uh, it's just really fun to fly. It's reasonably well-priced. It has awesome video quality. And uh, I like it. Yeah. Hmm. That sounds cool. Evan. Oh, mine is... Um, I So I recently watched... When I was playing through Cyberpunk, I had played... I was really like, living in that world, listening to music and vibing it. So I watched Edge Runners. And... Uh, hmm. I was, oh, yeah. Thing? yeah, the Netflix thing. And I wasn't sure if I was going to like it or not, but I really liked it. I thought it was really good. I was like impressed with how well done it was. And I also like that it like it's there and then it ends. And mm-hmm. that's it. Right. Like, it's like concise. It's not like uh, there wasn't like filler. Like there was no like stupid parts. Like everything that happened like had a purpose and it was there. And then so uh, I have to say, I think it's the most accurate to the video game adaptation i've ever seen like they have like the sound effects they have like the call thing they have the locations from the game like it made me like want to go and explore spots i had seen in the in the the thing so i i in my opinion this is how you do it you you take you're gonna adapt something you take that universe and you build the like trappings of it but make a known a new story in it don't try and have a story about v i don't want to see netflix story with v in this main character so make your own new characters that are fresh to it but with the trappings of the universe so it still feels familiar 
I thought they did a really good job. I, I really liked it. I was I was very impressed with it. I, I really liked its theme of uh, cyber psychosis. Yes. Um, there was there was a whole segment, and I forget which character it was, but he was basically going through it, and it it, it had this sort of like conception of him walking through a desert at the yeah. same time as experiencing it. So he's he's disassociating. And I thought that was that was perfect for what cyberpsychosis is, uh, when you when you no longer have empathy and humanity, uh, and I just I I just thought it was well done. Yeah, yeah, really that was it. my favorite part of the show was that segment you're talking about. I, I really liked that. And then I like how how David slowly like it's almost imperceptible, but he slowly changes like his physical body. Because he's just getting more and more mod- modifications, and he's just a totally different being towards the end of it. Right. Yeah, hmm. I gotta watch that. It's really good. It? It's I don't have Netflix for Netflix canceled my ass. It's like I want to say the whole thing is like an hour and a half or two hours of total. What? Yeah, it's like twenty minute oh, episodes, short. and there's like ten episodes. Maybe it's more than that, but it's it's. Mm. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'll check it out. That sounds it. It. I watched the first episode and it seemed cool, and I've only heard good things. So now that I'm I'm, I'm in the cyberpunk mindset, yeah, you should do it. So that and Johnny hours. Mnemonic queuing them up. And it also uh, brings back Franz Ferdinand pretty hard. So if you liked that mm, band, mm, 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 that's 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 not a sales or point what for was me. The but uh, the best. Um, I think for me it was Rebecca. Pro- probably the one that goes crazy. I thought okay. the, I thought his arc was interesting with the cyber psychosis, but I also liked the main char- the two main characters as well. For sure, I thought yeah. Rebecca was surprisingly because she was like the trope of the character I usually find to be annoying in anime, the like manic pixie character. Mm-hmm. But she was right. like perfect; like they did her perfectly. Like she was funny and she wasn't obnoxious. So, mm. yeah. yeah, I uh, I I don't like the good. choice of Franz Ferdinand uh, music. I think they should have used uh, the song "Bullets." That was in the very first cyberpunk uh, trailer, like back in 2013. Right. That, that's that's my thoughts. Missed opportunity. Yeah, I think um, with Franz Ferdinand, I will say that I think people just associate that song now with that show. So I'm sure Franz Ferdinand's really happy about that. <laughs> oh, someone else who. Um, a Polish singer uh, did a song for Edge Runners, and does uh, some of the soundtrack for 2077, the uh, Phantom Liberty DLC, and is a character in it uh, during cool. during one of the quests. So I thought that was hmm. like a really cool, real world tie in there. That is cool. That's cool, yeah. He's Polish, so I have no idea how to pronounce his name, and I'm not I'm not going to embarrass myself or them but it looks like it should be pronounced as David. David P. Something like that. David P. They should have had a Him, pyramid Does he know song. Liza? Huh? Go ahead. Do not soil him with that terrible, terrible game. <laughs> you don't think he knows Liza? Not like his sister or something? Uh, <laughs> my son's laughing. Uh, all right, Oren. T- take us out of here. Yeah, I... Um... I went to. I started going to the Chicago Film Festival. Um, I saw my first movie yesterday, 
And it's kind of a tease because I saw a movie yesterday and I'm not seeing another movie until Tuesday. So I'm like, uh, it's like it started, but like now I have to wait, which is annoying. But I saw this uh, French movie called The Taste of Things. Uh, and it's it was really an interesting movie because it's literally a movie just about like what it means to cook for somebody you love and like the beauty of cooking, the beauty of food. And all that stuff. And I saw the movie on an empty stomach, which was a bad idea. Because <laughs> there's a lot of beautiful food shots of, like, you know, cooks preparing stuff. It's like the food porn, the movie. So I recommend not watching it in a theater. I recommend watching it at home. And you're, like, preparing a nice meal. And you eat that meal while you're watching the movie. So if you're a foodie, watch The Taste of Things. That's my rec. Um, this David P guy is his name is it might be David, but uh, it's a hard name to pronounce. I I won't I won't try either. But I follow him on Twitter, so do you know? I I I, I think I do. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that movie sounds good. Sorry, and that was the weirdest segue ever. But there you go. Watch it. It's French. All right. Uh, that has been a pod, Mike. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks, guys. Kevin, it's been good chatting with you. Orin, I'm sorry I made fun of your shirt. I like your shirt. It's a good shirt. It is a good I shirt. Bad. I mean, shirt. feel feel bad. I think that's good that bad. you feel bad. Feel I feel some shame. Um, <laughs> Madden, we love you. And uh, yeah, I think I think the next time we talk, we are gonna know whether or not Alan Wake Two sucks. Yeah. Cool. Definitively. Orin, what's the lowest score it can get on Metacritic and you will still buy it? Uh, I'll probably get it if it's like a 78. What if it was a 77? Then I would be like, hmm. What are the medium? And then probably that? still buy it. <laughs> what if it's a 72? Do you think you'll buy it if it's a 72? I don't think it's going to go that low. You don't think it's going to go that low? No. It'd have to. Be, I don't think so. It'll be like they're only selling it for fifty bucks on Epic. I don't think they believe in it. It's gonna be eighties or nineties, I think. Yeah. If I had to predict a score right now, I'd say eighty-six. Eighty-six. Yeah, that's why I'm feeling eighty-six. Yeah, I'm. I'm weirdly thinking like eighty-eight. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Just, I just think that the combat isn't gonna be like interesting enough for it to be higher than like late 80s i think i think people will play it for like the trippy mind-bending stuff and the story but i don't know and sam lake's handsome face yeah i feel like it's gonna be a short game too like i feel like it'll be like like maybe max 10 hours like do you guys think it's gonna Mm. be longer than that wasn't alan wake like 20 hours long it was like 15 maybe less yeah 15 would be nice okay yeah, I wonder because uh, control was pretty meaty with all the side yeah. content. It was like a 30, 30 hour game. Yeah. So mm. I wonder I wonder how ambitious this really is in terms of content. I don't know. I wonder if Remedy can pull it together and get a high enough Metacritic or Open Critic score to justify Oren's purchase. All right. Well that's uh find out. We'll see. That's what I'm well, I'll I'm wondering. get it. I'll probably get it too. I'm gonna get it. Yeah. All right. I just hope the combat is better than a flashlight. Yeah. You don't want to tickle people with a flashlight? <laughs> no. It looked like it was better. It looked like it was a little more meaty than Resident Evil. 
tonight. Guys, we already said Madden, we love you. We got to get out of here. Stop talking about Alan Wake. Okay, go, go to bed. Go to bed. Bye. Bye, everyone. I love you all. It's been fun. Bye-bye. See ya.